first came to Sun, I thought it would take a long time to fit in and get to know people. And I thought I'd be really uncomfortable here, but thanks to getting involved in life groups, I made a lot of new friends, and I feel like I'm a part. I feel like I'm accepted just like I am. And I think that's one of the great things about Summit Churches. If you come here from a church background, or if you come here from off the street struggling with uh, any kind of problem, people here don't judge you, they don't condemn you, they don't make you feel bad for where you are. They just love you and make you feel like you're part of a family. And I feel like I'm accepted here, and I feel like I found a home and a family in Summit Church. I love my church because it's where I found my salvation and how we open our doors so that everyone is welcome and they all have the chance to do the same. My church has strengthened my marriage and made me an all-around better person. We are all here for the same goal and I have made some friends to last a lifetime. Why do I love our church? Everybody here is on fire for the Lord. 100 people saved. The list is endless. The band's awesome great place to be feel the Lord. I like your church because there's not an I, there's not a me. It's about community, it's about service, it's about getting pumped up, and it's amazing what God is doing here, and we love it. I love my church because of the truly sincere change I've seen in so many people's lives after hearing the gospel through our church's ministry. One of my favorite sermons was when Mark spoke about how God caused men to be the spiritual leaders in their home. I love my church because it showed me what God expects of me as a man. I love my church for the love and support they have given to me and my family. I love my church because I see lives change each week. I love my church because they serve their community. They love God and they give back. I love my church because God shows up in a big way every week and drastically changes lives. I love my church because they accept me at my worst and love me at my best. I love my church because they do I love my church because I love my youth group and all the people in it. I love my church because it's helped make me the person I am today. I've met some amazing people, and that Mark guy's pretty cool too. I love my church because of the band, our funny preacher Mark Combs, our youth group, and our life groups. I love my church because we support each other. Why do I love my church? Over 100 baptized, numerous saved, 735 here last Sunday. That's why I love my church. Pray for God. I like church. You get baptized, and Sundays you go on Sundays. That's the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. That last part, man. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Like, that's just cute, man. That's awesome to have you guys here today, man. We're going to have a good time uh, today. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and take your Bible and open it up to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 is where we're going to be today. And so you can go ahead and open up your Bible to that. Uh, if you've got, uh, maybe it's on your uh, iPod, iPhone, or Android device, whatever mobile device, you go ahead and turn your Bible on, Matthew 16, 18. But hey, if you don't have a Bible at all, don't worry about it because the words are going to be up on the screen uh, behind me in just a moment. Um, but, uh, but, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we did last week, if you were here, that's great. If not, that's, that's fine. Uh, one of the things we did last week at the end of the service is I asked people to wear T-shirts of things that they're a fan of. And uh, T-shirts, anybody wear anything? So I, I see a lot. I see, I see a, lot of, a lot of sports teams. Uh, here, uh, I see some, I, see, I figured I would just see a sea of UK blue, and like somebody asked, can we do some Summit shirts in UK blue, so we did I Love My Church shirts in UK blue, you're welcome, um, but uh, 
I saw I, somebody is here with a Star Wars shirt on, and you speak my language. Like, I, like this is your church. This is, I'm glad you have found your place. Uh, I just had that geek out moment. I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, but you know what? I bet it didn't happen. Uh, if you did that, if you, if you did war shirt, something you're a fan of, you didn't, that's fine. But you know what I bet didn't happen this morning when you put that on? I bet when you put that shirt on, you didn't look at yourself in the mirror and say, what are they going to think about me if they see me in this shirt? What, what, what am I going to do if people see me in this shirt? You didn't have that moment at all, did you? I mean, no, you, you probably just put, your, put that shirt on. Maybe your chest bowed out a little bit because you got real passionate about your team. You're excited about your team because I see a lot of people in different colors. I see some Perry Central colors here today. I see some Hazard colors here today. In just a moment, we're all going to join hands and sing We Are the World. It's going to be beautiful. Um, you see all kinds of different, but you didn't have that moment. I mean, I look weird in this shirt. You, you wear that shirt down the street. People probably don't look twice at you unless you're hot, but they, you know, they, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Probably don't have a, hey, that's weird that you're wearing that shirt. No, you're, you're a fan of that. You, you love it. And, and, we, and we all do that. We all love things. And, and we like to tell people about things that we love. See, watch this. I'm going to ask you uh, questions here and answer these questions by raising your hand. I'm not going to make fun of anybody. I just want to know this. Um, how, how many of you love pizza? Anybody? My hand's up, man. I love pizza. Man, I, I mean, I wrote these questions down. I love, man, I love pizza. How many of you have ever had a pizza that's so good you had to tell somebody about that pizza? Anybody? My goodness. I just, I'm about to leave right now. Right? Just love pizza, man. Man. Um, I love going to the beach. Anybody love going to the beach, right? Some of y'all, revival just broke out. You hear that? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Right? Just love going to the beach. You know? And have you ever been to a beach? Man, you had such a good time at the beach. You told other people, you should go to the beach. You've done that, right? I've done that. Yeah, you should, man, you should take your family to, uh, to that beach. You should go there and check that beach out. Uh, beach out. Uh, sports fans, football, basketball, whatever. Sports fans. Sports fans. How many sports fans are here, are here today? Right? See? Yeah, and you've told, hey, did you watch the game last night? If you're a UK football fan, we have counselors for you in the back today. It's not going well. It is not going well. We're going to do a series on depression for you. Okay, I'm sorry that I even brought it up. You tried to come to church to get away from it. Um, right? Right? But you, but you, I mean, did you see the game last night? Man, that was amazing. Right? Um, uh, sp- uh, spouses. How many of you love your spouse? Raise your hand. Some, some of you are not raising your hand. I just got real. Huh. I should, shouldn't have done that one, should I? I'm sorry. It just got real weird. We'll do a marriage series. Um, man, that was bad. Some of y'all are like, mm-hmm. Um, but we do that, right? We, we just love to tell people about stuff that we love. It's just natural. We love to tell people about things that we love. But see, I, see I, I'm here to tell, today to tell you that if you leave today and you walk up to somebody and you tell them how big a fan you are of, say, UK basketball or your school or whatever it is you're wearing a shirt of, nobody's going to blink twice. Nobody's going to think that's weird if you walk up to them and tell them about how much you love your team. But you leave here, to, you leave here today and you walk up to somebody and you tell them how much you love your church. Say, say, I'm pumped about my church. I'm excited about my church. I love my church. That's weird. You shouldn't love your church. Church should be, hey, church is horrible to go to. You shouldn't be excited about your church. That's just weird if you're excited about your church. But listen, Summit, I just want to say that I love my church. 
I love my church. I love what God is doing here in our church. I love what we get to see every week. I love how God is changing lives. I love how God is doing more in our church than anybody in the room thought that God would do in our church. I'm excited about what God is doing in our church. And I know a lot of you guys are excited too, right? I know a lot of you guys are excited about what's happening in our church. And listen, listen, this might be your first time at Summit. You might, I, don't know what, I don't know what brought you here today, but Summit, let me just speak to, some re- to the regular folk. Uh, we got a lot to be excited about, man. We got a lot to be pumped, pumped about. I was thinking this week, the very first meeting that we ever had as a church, January 2011, there were seven people there. Seven. And, 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 uh, and most of those, and it was, it was me, my wife, and a few other couples, and, and, and most of those people have left. They w- were from other churches. Um, some of them moved away because of work. My wife is still here, just in case you're wondering. What happened to your wife? She's in the room. She didn't leave me. Um, she's right here. Uh, but seven people, seven people. Two weeks ago, we turned one. We had 675 people that day. That's a big deal. Last week, we had 735 people right here at the forum for Summit. That's a big deal. We, we've, seen, we've seen over 100 first-time decisions for people giving their life to Jesus Christ in our first year. We've seen right at, right at 100 baptisms in our first year as a church. In just the last three weeks of awakening, we've seen 54 first-time decisions for people to give their life to Jesus. We saw over 20 people get baptized in the last three weeks. Uh, right here, our, Rick's already talked about our, our students. That might take up the first couple of rows here. A little over a month ago, our student ministry for middle school and high schoolers launched. Now they meet every Wednesday with 30 teenagers. Our Summit Kids meets in another part of the forum right now. Every week we have about over 70 kids that are there in that portion of the forum right now. That's a lot to be pumped up about, don't you think? That's a lot to get excited about. That's a lot That's a lot to be thankful for and that's why I just stand up here and say I love my church. I love my church. And listen, that's weird though that you should be excited about your church. And so we wanted to do a four-week series simply called, I Love My Church. Because a lot of people, and maybe this is you, don't love their church. A lot of people, it's weird that you're excited about your church. And maybe you're here today, and and this is you. because, Because every time you talk about church, every time you talk about church, it's kind of a touchy subject. It's kind of a touchy subject because a lot of people have been burned by the church, right? A lot of people have been hurt by the church. Somebody in the church said something to you. Somebody in the church did something to you that they never should have done. I mean, some of the meanest people that I have ever met are church people. Anybody? Anybody? Right? Listen, I've, been, I've pastored churches that are deacon-possessed. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, y'all. Right? And so it's just, it's just weird to be excited about your church a lot of people. And so I just wanted to say it's normal to be excited about your church. Maybe you are one of those people and you got burned uh, by the church. Something happened to you. Or maybe you're not even a church person. And listen, if that's you, listen, I get that. Because I, I grew up, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't meet Jesus. I didn't, I didn't become a Christian until I was 18 years old. Before that, I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God at all. And I met Jesus Christ at 18. Love to talk to you more about that if you're uh, interested in that, but I wasn't a church person. Maybe you're here and you're not a church person. You're just kind of giving this whole thing a test drive. You're just checking this out, and I would want to say this is a perfect series for you to give us a test drive. 
Because what's going to happen in this series, maybe you've been hurt by the church, you've been burned by the church. What you're going to see in this series is what Jesus wants the church to be like. What you're going to see over these next couple of weeks is how Jesus wants the church to make a big difference. And what you're going to see is Summit's not a perfect church. I mean, we're a group of messy people who simply have a perfect Savior who loves us so much that He won't give up on us, and He's doing a great work in spite of who we all are. Isn't that right, church? That's exactly right. And so, so maybe you're here and church just isn't your thing. And so what I would say to you is, I would say to you, come back through this series, and what you might find on the other end of this series is you might be one of those people that start loving church. But see, a lot of people don't like church. Christians and non-Christians think it's weird that you're excited about church. A lot of people give reasons for why they're not involved in church, why they don't go to church, why they don't want to be a part of a church. And so I hear people say stuff like this. Maybe this is somebody in the room. People say this. Well, I love Jesus, but not the church. I love Jesus, but not the church. Uh, Maybe you've never heard anybody say this, but you've heard somebody say this. I have people say this to me all the time. Well, you know what, Mark, because if you say this, this is how you talk in my head. Um, Well, you know what, Mark, Uh, I I know that you like to go to church, but listen, I can worship God on the lake by myself. I can worship God on the lake, just me me and God in the boat on the lake by myself. I ain't got to go to no church, Mark. And you do that with your neck, too, if you say that. That's what you do. Um, you know, it's me in my head. Um, maybe that's you. Maybe, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about that. Um, see, because the problem with that is that Jesus loves the church. Jesus loves the church. In fact, Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up her and so the image that he's painting is that Jesus loves the church so much it's like Jesus is the groom and the church is Jesus's bride the church is Jesus's bride he loves his wife let me talk to the married fellows in the room fellas um what would you think if one of one of your buddies walked up to you and said this they said hey man um man I like hanging out with you I, I mean I like hanging out with you I like coming to your house and eating your food and using your bathroom um but um I hate your wife Man, I like you, but your wife is a loser, man. Golly. What would you do? I mean, would you look back at him and say, listen, you should live with the woman. If that's you, if that's you, then you're the loser. All right? You're the loser if that's what. What are you going to. Fellas, you're not going to be okay with that, are you? You're not going to be. Because he's talking about. They're talking about your woman. You're not going to be okay with that. Listen, listen, listen. I love my wife. And I'm telling you, you say something like that about my wife, it's not going to go well for you. See how intimidated you are? Because look at me physically. Shoot. You don't step to this, bro. Now, nah, listen, listen, let me tell you. Because, hey, man, I ain't going to take that. You talk about my woman, so my wife. Because I love my wife. I love my wife. And so here's what I'm going to do to you. I'm just going to lay my cards on the table. Here's my fighting style. Punch and run. That's what I'm going to do. Because I ain't above it. Don't judge me. I ain't above it. Punch and run. And listen, I'll keep my options open to slap and run. It's just however I want to roll that day. Because here's what you need to know about me. I run a lot. I run a lot of marathons. And so if I get one punch in and run, you can't catch me. Unless you're in an automobile and that's cheating. Okay? But if you say that about my wife, I love my wife, it's, it's punch or slap and run. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. Why? Because that's my wife. And I love my wife. 
See, listen, oh, well, you know what? I like Jesus, but not the church. Listen, somebody said this, and it's so true. You can't love Jesus and hate his wife. You can't love Jesus and hate his wife. You say, listen, I've got a church problem. I don't have a Jesus problem. Listen, listen, you've got a Jesus problem because Jesus loves his wife. Or, or people say this, oh, you know what? I don't go to church because church is boring. Church is boring. I've had this conversation with people. People have come up to me and said this, listen, Mark, um, man, I love your church. I love your church, man. My, my wife, we love your church. My kids came to your church Sunday, and they, we left, and they wanted to come back next Sunday. We love your church. And I'll say, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Do you go to church anywhere? Yeah, we go to so-and-so church. Oh, and I'll say, oh, that's so great that you go to that church. And they'll say this, yeah, we hate it. Yeah, we, we hate it, man. It's real boring. It's real. Yeah, my kids hate it. In fact, my kids hate me for making them go every week. Yeah, we hate it. And I'll say, and I promise this has happened. I'll say this, well, what, what are you going to do? Happens almost every time. What are you going to do? We're just going to keep going to that church. Yeah, we're going to keep going to that church, man. Yeah, Jesus died so that I can go to a church I hate. Yeah. Listen, listen, listen. And hey, this is, this is free. This is free. Parents, if you want a surefire way to see your kids walk away from the faith, then force them to go to a church that you secretly wish you could leave. Happens every time. I hate this church. Church is boring. Listen, church is not boring. Church is not boring. And this is what I want to challenge all of us to do. You should read through the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts is the story of how God started the church, and you can see the difference that God wants to make through the church. It's an amazing story. In fact, if you go to Summit's website, we've put together a, a reading plan through the book of Acts that will take you to the end of this series, just a chapter or two a day, to the end of October. And I would challenge everybody in here to read through the book of Acts. Because listen, when you get to the end of the book of Acts, you'll say a lot, but you won't say, that was boring. Listen. Listen, the church in the book of Acts, they had prayer meetings and earthquakes happened. They had church services and God killed some people. That's cray cray. They, listen, they got together and thousands of people got saved. It's a lot of stuff, but it's not boring. Listen, church is not boring. Listen to this. Church is not boring. We have made church boring. We have made church boring. Because listen, a lot of people talk about church and they'll say this. They'll say this. And church people, see if you can finish this statement. We've always done it. We've always done it that way. Well, Brother Mark, we've always done it that way. I heard somebody say one time that if the 50s come back, the church is ready. Like we're ready for the 50s to come back. We've always done it that way. Listen, that's not a win for anybody. Listen, church is not boring. We have made church boring. But so many Christians think that you should go to a church that's boring, that you should go to a church that you, that you hate just as much as they hate theirs. And if you don't, watch this, if you don't go to a church that's boring, if you get excited about your church, then you know what they start to say about your church? It's a cult. I'm about to beat this like a piñata on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> did you know? Did you, oh, this is going to be soft and pumped for this. I've been waiting for this moment for a month. <laughs> did you know, if you, take the, if you take the challenge to read through the book of Acts and thousands of people started getting saved and all kinds of stuff happened, you know what they started to call that church? A cult. So, so, so they all logged on to Topics Jerusalem, and then they... <laughs> And they said, is this church a cult? And a bunch of people who have never been to that church said yes. 
I'm loving this moment, man. It was awesome. But here's what they did. Do you know what they did? Do you know what they did? They stayed focused on the mission that Jesus had given them. They didn't slow down. They didn't look to the right or the left. They said, Jesus has given us a mission that's too important to slow down because y'all hate the church where you're going to. We're going to keep getting the ball down the field. We're going to keep impacting lives. And they stayed focused. Listen to me because this is the opinion that I have. If people aren't calling your church a cult, you're not doing it right. I mean it. I mean that. Listen, listen, listen. Some of y'all, why, why, why is he talking about this? Don't worry about it. It's, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Some of you are like, where's the secret juice? It's the coffee. Um, as God does more, let's just say this, because I know that this bothers a lot of you, man, and as your pastor, I want to try to serve you right now. As God does more in and through our church, that will only get worse. And so here is our response as a church. We will keep doing what we've always done from day one. That's what we're going to do. We're going to stay focused on reaching people, on impacting this city, and turning the world upside down. We're going to stay focused. But listen, church is not boring. There is nothing boring about forgiveness and hope and second chance and an empty tomb and getting a restart on life. Church is not boring. Church ain't boring. I think your church is church boring, whatever. Church is not boring. Church is not boring. Here's another one. I'll do one more. I'll do one more. This is, this is just setting it up here where we're going to go this morning. I'll do another one because a lot of people, I talk to people about this stuff all the time. I don't go to church. I'm not excited about church. I don't love any church because church is a bunch of rules. Church is all about keeping rules. And listen, if, that, if that's you and if you say that, you got a point. You got a point. Because listen, we've made it about a bunch of rules. People have hijacked the church and not only made it boring, but made church about a bunch of rules. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you one example of how that's true. And if this is your first time ever in church, you're an atheist, this is the closest you've ever been to church. I'm going to give one example that everybody gets just to show that along the way, somebody made up a bunch of rules and have made it harder and have made it what it shouldn't have been in the first place. Here's the one example. It's two words, and everybody will know what I mean. Here we go. You ready? Church clothes. Church clothes. Church clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like people talk this way all the time. Well, I got to get my church clothes ready because I'm going to church. I only wear my church clothes at church. Like it's a special section of your closet and you move everything away and all of a sudden it goes, and it just begins to glow. Right? Got to get my church clothes ready. And listen, there's nothing, whatever, you can wear whatever you want. But listen, listen, did you know there's nothing in the Bible about church clothes? Did you know that? Let me just imagine you walk into a place like Hollister. You walk into your favorite store. I don't know where you shop, but you walk in. The guy walks up to you. Hey, can I help you today? And you look at him and you say, yes, where's your church clothes section? (laughs) Just looking for some church clothes. Right? There is nothing in the Bible about church clothes. But watch this. Here's why I'm camping on this. How many of you have ever invited somebody to Summit and the first thing they said was, what do I have to wear? Look at that. Look at all the hands. Right there. Right there. Right there. And here's why. This is going to be hard, but I'm going to say it because I got the microphone and I've already bashed a bunch of stuff. Um, But there have been people, there are people who have went to hell because they thought they didn't have a good enough outfit to go to a church where they could have heard the message where Jesus accepts you just as you are and can take you from where you are to where you never thought you could be. And they never went because church closed. 
So you might be here and maybe I haven't even touched the reason that you don't love your church. But listen, here's what I believe. I believe there's a lot of people in the room and you love this church. Maybe, maybe you're here today, you're searching for something. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But here's what I want us to say. Here's what I want us to talk about for the rest of the time. How can we make sure that Summit stays a church that we love? How can we make sure that this is always a church that we love, that we're excited about, that we're passionate about? I want to give us three ways that we can make sure, three things that we've got to do to make sure that this is always a church that we love. First one. First one, we need to stay desperate for Jesus. Desperate for Jesus. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And it's going to be up on the screen behind me. And hey, if you, if you, don't, if you don't have a Bible at all, uh, this is probably a verse that everybody in some way, shape, or form has heard. Matthew 16, 18. It just simply says this. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, watch this, this is where we're going to be. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. First thing we got to do is we need to stay desperate for Jesus. Have you ever been desperate for something? Desperate that you, that you so wanted something, you so needed something, that whatever it was that you needed, you were willing to do whatever it takes to get it. See, Jesus says, I will build my church. He will build his church. Summit, did you know that we didn't do this? We didn't, we didn't plan for this. We didn't strategize for this. Jesus has done this because Jesus is building this church. And what that means for us is we need to be desperate every time we come. We need to be desperate for Jesus to show up and do what only Jesus can do every Sunday. Every Sunday, you need to be desperate for Jesus to move in this room. Every Sunday, you need to be desperate for Jesus to speak to you and to do radical things in your life. But the only way that you can be desperate in here is if you're desperate out there. Desperate for Jesus to move in your life on Monday morning, Tuesday night with the kids, Friday night with your spouse, Wednesday afternoon at work. Desperate for Jesus to move in your life. And see, to be desperate for Jesus means that you're not going to play games anymore. No longer playing games. Because, because watch this. When complacency comes into a church... Complacency never comes into a church first. The only way complacency gets into a church is because it gets into our lives first. And once we're complacent, our churches become complacent. Once we've settled for the status quo, then our churches settle for the status quo. And so we need to stay desperate for Jesus. You might be here today, and the reason you came is because you are desperate for a change. You are desperate for something to give in your life because you're at a place where it feels like everything is breaking, everything is falling apart, something's got to give, and I want to tell you that the change that you're looking for is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the change that you're looking for because if you go out and you make all of these other changes and you miss Him, then you miss everything. But church, we need to stay desperate for Jesus. I mean, what would happen if every single person in this room today, our top priority became that we were going to passionately pursue Jesus? That became the top priority of our lives. Maybe for you that would start to mean that you're going to be here week in, week out, if you can, regardless of, I mean, except for illness and all that other stuff, but you're going to be here if you can. For you, it might mean that you begin to give as God calls us to give in His Word. For you, it might mean that you try to get a time set up every single day where you get into the Bible so that God can speak into your life. Or for you, 
Becoming desperate for Jesus might mean that you get rid of that thing that is right now sucking the life out of your relationship with Jesus. Getting rid of that thing that's making you complacent in your walk with Him. Because listen, church, if we're desperate out there, we'll be desperate in here, and every time Jesus shows up, it's never boring. It's never boring when Jesus shows up. But when you say desperate for Jesus, number two, we need to run to the mess. We need to make sure that we are a church that always runs to the mess. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. Uh, parent, parents, how many parents in the room, you know that you would do things for your kids that you wouldn't do at all for another human being alive? Is that true, parents? You would, you would do things for your kids that you wouldn't do at all for another human being. Let me give you an example. Potty training. Um, let's talk potty training for a second. Um, how many parents have you been through the potty training stages, been through a potty training stage with a couple, a couple kids? Yeah, right. Um, pot, your kid comes to you, and your kid comes to you. This has happened if you've been through the potty training stages. Your kid comes to you. They run into the living room. Mommy, Daddy, guess what I just did? And you say, what? And they say, I've in the potty. And what do you do? That's right, you and the, your wife, you start bumping chests, and, and you just get, you do a little dance, and then what do you do? You run down the hallway to look at the mess, and there you are, looking at, and you are excited about poop, Right? You run to the mess. You get excited. Now, now, let's flip the script and imagine this scenario. What if I walked up to you next Sunday at church and I said, Guess what I just did? <laughs> Do I even need to finish the illustration? I don't think so. I, th I think you get the point, right? But what do you do as a parent? You run to the mess. See, churches need to run to the mess. When, when Jesus gives the image that the gates of hell will not prevail, you know what a gate does. I mean, if you have a fence, what does a fence do? It's supposed to keep some people out, right? It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a form of protection. And here's what Jesus is saying. The gates of hell can't stop the church from charging hell and making sure that it is less empty and more people go to heaven than go to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. And what he says is we need to run to the mess. We need to run to people who are, who are broken, who don't have it all together, who are addicted, who, are still, who still have the smell of what they did on them last night. It's right there on them. We need to run to people who are just like us because we're messy, right? We're broken, right? But somebody ran after us. Somebody came to us in the midst of the mess. And we need to do the same thing for people. We need to run after people. I've had somebody, I've had people, well, some, your church is full of hypocrites. And I say this, that's right, and there's room for one more. I saved a seat for you. Got a seat for you at the forum. Because listen, because listen, listen, this is not a perfect church, because this is not perfect people. Listen, if you find the perfect church, don't join it, because you'll mess it up. All right? There's no such thing as a perfect church. No such thing as a perfect church. But we're supposed to run to the mess. Number three, and then finally we're done. Number three, third thing we got to do. This is the most important thing. If you get pumped about the first two, but you miss this one, it's over anyway. Third thing we need to do to make sure this is always the church that we love is you need to realize your potential. 
you need to realize your potential. And see, when I say, when I say you need to realize your potential, I don't, I don't mean, I don't mean that, that you can do whatever you want to do as long as you set your mind to it. There's R. Kelly playing in the background. I believe I can fly. That's not what that means. That's not what I mean at all. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean when I say realize your potential. Realize the potential. Realize the potential difference your life could make in Jesus' hand. Realize the potential difference that your life, teenager, your life, senior adult, your life, stay-at-home mom, your life, college student, your life, sir, your life, ma'am, realize the difference that your life could make in Jesus' hand. Because here's what I know about everybody in the room. Here's what I know about everybody in the room today. Everybody in the room wants their life to matter. Everybody in this room today, I don't care who you are, everybody wants their life to matter. You don't want to get to the end of this thing and realize that it was pointless. You you don't want to get to the end of this thing and realize that you wasted it. A hundred years from now, you want your life to have mattered. A, A thousand years from now... 2,000 years from now, you want your life, I don't care from the front to the back, you want your life to have mattered. Let's, let's think about some things right now that's going on in our world that matter to people. Um, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's an election coming up. Didn't know if you got that memo, right? My gosh, can we just do it today? Um, there's an election coming up, and listen, that, that matters. It's important, it matters. It matters. But, but a lot of people are talking about the election. Um, uh, I've mentioned this already. Uh, UK football. UK football. That matters to people. We have counselors in the back. I'm pr- I, you know, you can go to, talk to them this morning if you need to, right? That matters to people. People are, are passionate about that. It matters to people. And we can keep going on and on and on about things that matter to people. But I wonder if 100 years from now those things will matter as much as they do today. I wonder if if Jesus doesn't come back, I wonder, if, wonder if, if Jesus doesn't come back a thousand years from now or two thousand years from now, I wonder if they'll still matter t- then as much as they do now. And I think you know the answer. See, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe that what we're doing today matters. I believe that a hundred years from now, what we're doing will matter then just as much as it does right now. I believe that a thousand years from now, what we're, doing then, what we're doing today will matter then just as much as it does right now. I believe that there are people in the room who will look back over the past year and say, hey, it mattered to me, man, because my family, my whole family got saved. We were at a different place, but here we are. This matters. I bet there are people in the room and you'd say, man, I was addicted and a year, a year ago I was a mess, but I've taken some steps and this matters. This matters to me because God has stepped onto the scene and changed my life. I didn't think it was possible. I thought it was over. But God's done something in my life that's so significant, it matters. I bet there's a lot of people in the room today and you'd look back over this year and what God's done in your life and you'd say, it matters to me. It matters to my kids. It matters to us as a family. It matters. It matters. But, so here's what we need. Here's what we need. I have people all the time say, say, Mark, man, I love your church. 
excited about what's going on in your church, here's what we need. We need you to step up and to say, I love what's happening in my church. Not your church, my church. I, I love the vision that my church has. I'm excited about how my church is impacting our city. I'm excited about what God is going to do through my life and my church. I love my church. And I'm in. And so, so maybe today, maybe today is the day that you stop playing games. You've noticed that complacency and status quo has crept into your life and God is putting his finger on something in your life today and he says, I want to deal with that. Maybe God's putting his finger on something in your life and says, hey, there's a person you need to run after. There's a person you need to invite, you need to bring, you need to tell them what I've done in your life. Maybe God's put his finger on something in your life and he's saying to you right now, you need to quit making excuses and you need to realize the potential that I could make through your life at your school, at your work, in your neighborhood, through your church, and in this world. And listen, if that's you and God is dealing with you about something, because somebody in the room, God is speaking to you right now, and he's telling you right now that what you need to do is you need to be desperate for the change that only Jesus can, do, can give. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time and to ask him to forgive you for your sins and to come into your life and make all things new. Whatever God is speaking into your life right now, I want you to know you're in a safe place because you're at church. And whatever he's telling you to do, do it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for what you are doing right now in this room. So God, I pray that you would right now in a moment of stillness, God, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, Father, I believe that you are speaking to people right here in this room. God, I believe that you are calling people out of complacency and status quo into a vibrant walk with you. I believe, I believe, God, that you're, you're, you're calling people to get some things out of their life, to begin to deal with things that have been in their life for years. Maybe that's holding them back today. I believe that you're calling people and you're putting your finger on some things in our lives and you're saying, let's go, let's move, let's take some steps out of this so that we can get to where you want us to go. I believe you're calling people to run to the mess, to run to somebody that we know that needs to hear about Jesus, needs to be invited, needs to be brought. I believe you're calling people to realize the potential difference that they can make if their life was in your hand. So, Father, I pray that right now you would just begin to speak to us, and God, you would do a powerful work, and God, that you would give us boldness and courage to do whatever you're telling us to do. With every, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, church, this has been good today. This has been a good time. But you know what? Jesus hasn't brought us together just so that we can sing some songs, hear a sermon, and then leave. Jesus has brought us together because he wants to have a word with us. And I wonder what he's speaking to you today. He might be speaking to you about something in your life that you need to begin to deal with. He might be calling you back because slowly, slowly, slowly you started to drift away from God and God is saying, come back! I didn't, I didn't die so that you can live complacently. 
But God's laid somebody, a friend, a family member, a classmate, whatever, on your heart. And He's saying, you need to go to that person this week and invite them and bring them and tell them about what I've done in your life. You need to get that thing out of your life that's, that's holding you back. Maybe God is telling you today that you need to come to Him for the very first time and begin a relationship with Jesus. How many people are here today? And just by show of hands right now, nobody's looking at all. Nobody's looking. Every head bowed, every eye is closed. How many of people are here in the room today? And just by simply raising your hand, you would say, Mark, God is speaking to me about something right now. Would you pray for me? Just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. God is speaking to me about an issue. Hands are going up. I see a hand in the middle. Anybody else? Hands are going up. There's two, three, four. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe in the back on the side, I see a hand over there. Anybody else? You say, God is speaking to me about something. Raise your hand up high. Raise your hand up high. Here's what I want to challenge you to do with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here, you've already got a relationship with Jesus, but God is speaking to you about an issue. Here's what I know. God doesn't want you to go through that alone. God doesn't want you to go through that alone. Today, God wants to use other people to help you, to encourage you, to love you, and to take that next step. So Christians, here's what I would want to say to you. Whatever God is speaking to you, right now, if you're a Christian, God is speaking to you, whatever it is, Whatever it is. Maybe He's speaking to you about an issue of your life. Maybe He's calling you to rededicate your life. Maybe God has laid somebody on your heart you need to go to and tell them about Him, but you're scared to death. Whatever it is, Christians, here's what I want you to do. Whatever God is speaking to you, God doesn't want you to go through it alone. So I want you to stand up right now. Make your way to the back. Make your way to the back right now. There are people who love you, who would love to speak to you. Whatever God has laid on your heart, if you raised your hand, you didn't raise your hand, I want you to get up right now and make your way to the back. And let's go. Let's pray about it. Let's take the step. Let's make a plan. Let's do it. Maybe God is calling you to rededicate your life and to step back into a vibrant relationship with Him. You make the move and you go. People are moving right now. Don't get to the car and say, man, I wish that I would have done that. But I was so afraid of what people would think about me that I just stayed in my seat. You go to somebody. There are people that are moving right now. If you're a teenager here in the front, God's laid something on your heart, you get up and go. You get up and go right now. You get up and you go. People are on the move right now. God is moving. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. And God is working in your heart so that He's saying to you, you need to give your life to me for the very first time. You need to begin a relationship with me. Maybe you're here, you know you're not a Christian. You know you're not saved. Here's what I want to say to you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus loved you so much that He came to earth and died on a cross for everything that you've ever done and everything that you'll ever do so that you could come here today just as you are and give your life to Him and be completely forgiven. And all you need to do is right there where you sit, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. And if you know that you're not a Christian, you know today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you're desperate for a change. Today is your time and right now is your moment. I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray that prayer right there where you're at. You just say this, Dear Lord Jesus... Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you. I love you. I want to live for you. Thank you that you forgive me. Thank you for what you've done for me. Amen. With every head bowed, with every eye still closed, did you just pray that prayer? Did you just pray that prayer? If you just prayed that prayer, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand. 
Don't think about it. Don't look around and see who's looking because nobody is and the room is dark, all right? Raise your hand if you just prayed that prayer or you know you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. As soon as I say three, one, two, right now, raise your hand. Three, shoot it up right now if that's you. If you just prayed that prayer to to give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. Here's a hand right here in the front. Anybody else? Anybody? Raise that hand and lift it high. There's another hand right over there. There's another one. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise your hands and lift them high. There's another hand. There's another hand right there. God bless you. God bless you for that hand. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to ask you to do the same thing that other people have already done. Tons of people have done this morning. If you just raised your hand right now, would you slip out of your seat and make your way to the back? Because listen, every time Jesus called us to follow him, he called us to do it publicly. So right now, if you just raised your hand, I'm not going to take much longer. Right now, if you just raised your hand, get up right now and go to the back. We, all we're going to do, we just want to talk to you, give you a free Bible, love you, and help you to take the next step. You make that move right now. You make that move. You need to take somebody with you. Ask your friend with you. Say, hey, man, you go with me? Make the move right now. Don't get to your car. Don't get home. and Say, man, I wish I'd have done that. You make the move. You do what Jesus is telling you to do because right now people are moving. You, right now people are moving. So you follow me if you need to. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for what we've seen today. Jesus, I love my church. I love this church. I love what you're doing in our church, God, because we don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. But, God, every week you show up. And, Father, we want to give you all credit for it. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to do right now. Don't anybody get up and leave. Don't anybody pack your stuff. Because this is a big moment in our service. Right now, would you take your connection card? that you got when you walked in. Everybody, from the youngest to the oldest, front and the back, we ask everybody to do this. Would you take your connection card? That's good with the lights right there. And would you just let us know what God did in your life today? Any decision that you've made, will you, will you let us know about that decision? Some of you raised your hand to give your life to Jesus. Check that box and let us know. Listen, if you want to be baptized next Sunday, next Sunday we're going to baptize uh, several people. And so if you want to get baptized next Sunday, you should do it. Because trust me, you're not going to be alone up here on the stage doing it by yourself next week. If you, if you need to do that, then do it. Some of you, maybe you want to volunteer. You should volunteer. Maybe you see on the back of that connection card, you want to be a part of Discover Summit. Discover Summit is how you become a partner, member here at Summit. That's how you officially make Summit your church. If you want to be a part of that, hey, we're going to give you free lunch. Just check that box. Anything that you want to do today, anything that God laid on your heart, check the box, write it on the card. And in just a few moments, we've got guest service volunteers who are already in place. And as you walk by them this morning, would you just uh, drop your card into the basket? Drop your card into the basket this morning. And don't forget, if you're a first-time guest, we've got a free gift for you. And listen, we just want to thank you guys so much for being here. Church, has it been good to be here today and together with God's people? Because I'm telling you what, a lot of people made decisions today and a lot of people made a lot of big movements. And so that's, that's an awesome uh, time that we've had today. I want to invite you to come back next week. In fact, I want to give you an announcement. Uh, there's going to be a ladies' fellowship bead party. I have no idea what that means, but it's for ladies. Ladies' fellowship bead party. Uh, 6.30 Tuesday at the National Guard Armory. You can check us out on Facebook get a lot of info about that, by the way, all right? Uh, but next Sunday... Next Sunday, man, make sure you come back. Make sure.
that you bring somebody with you. Hey, let's stand up. Our band's going to dismiss us really no, one quick. One more announcement right quick. Uh, yep. October the 20th, right here at the Forum, uh, Tim, our very own Tim Ingle is putting together a benefit concert for Drew Baird. A lot of you guys know Drew Baird. He's a... Uh, uh, great musician in this area, and we're trying to raise some money for some. He's got cancer, and we're trying to raise some money for some doctor bills. So, Summit's band's playing at 3 o'clock. There's bands. It starts at 11 o'clock, October 20th, right here, 11 in the morning, and it goes to 11 in the evening. So, there'll be all kinds of cool music. So, invite everybody to come out to that. Awesome. And hey, if you guys want to get one of these shirts that's out there in the lobby, love you guys. See you next week. <laughs> Clap your hands and sing a song before you leave this morning. How about it? your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. You lead us by still waters and to mercy. Nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. God bless. See you next week. Great is your love and justice, God. You use the weak to lead the strong. in the song of your salvation and Larry Bruce Milton sing along and so remember your people remember your children remember your promise oh God your grace is enough your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me, your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Promise, oh God. 
that your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough for me your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough for me your grace is enough your grace is enough your grace is enough for me for me 